Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on WDAY. Good afternoon, Natil. Good afternoon. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. That's how to join the show. You can email to talk at WDAY.com. We, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff. Uh, coming up at 1.30, state representative, former gubernatorial candidate, Marvin Nelson, is uh, going to be on the program. Marvin's, of course, is, is a Democrat. Uh, we're going to talk. He's got legislation to raise the state minimum wage uh, to nine twenty-five an hour and to make uh, future increases to the wage automatic index to inflation. Uh, so we'll talk to him about why he thinks that's a good idea. Uh, also, he uh, he is backing a uh, he he wants the legislature to study making marijuana just full on legal, which I, I I don't know. I mean, we have a governor. He wants to reinvent government. He wants to streamline government. We have a, a budget situation where we got to cut cut a lot of stuff out of the budget. I I think legalizing marijuana would save the state of North Dakota a heck of a lot of money. Uh, I think it would save us money in terms of incarceration rates. I think it would save us money in terms of law enforcement resources. I think it would save us money in terms of not having to implement the bureaucratic nightmare that is the medical marijuana bill or medical marijuana measure that passed uh, on the ballot. By the way, uh, legislation before uh, the legislature uh, backed by the uh, Democratic and Republican legislative leaders uh, would actually delay the implementation of that medical marijuana bill because it's, I'm sorry, it's a nightmare. Uh, so anyway, we'll talk with uh, Marvin about that. And in a moment, I want to get to uh, legislation. It's it's aimed at the Dakota Access Pipeline protest, the No Dapple protests, and it makes it illegal to wear a mask in public. We'll talk about that for just a minute in, in just a little bit. But one thing, I, I, I want to unburden something. To you, ladies and gentlemen, I want to uh, to air a grievance, and and that is, you know, when when we come to, you know, the um, the early weeks of any odd number year in North Dakota, that means we've got the legislature coming into session, and that means we're going to have a whole bunch of bills to do this, that, and the other thing, making headlines, because it's interesting. Right. I mean, it's it's a goldmine for those of us who talk about politics and public policy. There's all sorts of different things being proposed and all sorts of different opinions about them. And they're worth discussing. And I love it because to me, it's it's democracy. Right. I mean, to me, this is what it is. You know, we have an open process. We have elected representatives, you know, trying hard to represent their constituents. They're putting in bills they're putting they're floating all sorts of different ideas. Uh, and we have a we have a debate over them. And I think it's great. I, to me, this is how it's supposed to work. What irritates me is how many people act as though they're just annoyed by the whole process. And, and I, I, I think I could sum up who these people are by the ones who are complaining that this bill or that bill or whatever is a quote-unquote waste of time. It annoys me when people say that. It's like, all oh, you know... The legend, they got better things to do. They ought to be doing this. They ought to be doing that. You know, we, they ought to quit wasting their time on stupid issues like speed limits or stupid issues like mask laws or stupid issues like whatever. I hear it all the time, and it annoys me because here, here's what I When I hear somebody say that, it makes me think that they're either not informed enough or smart enough to say something more meaningful about the legislation in question. 
And I, I say that not to say that, that every bill introduced down at the legislature is a good idea or, uh, or, or, or that I think it's a worthy bill. Obviously, uh, you know, that, that anti-porn bill that was introduced, I think was, a was a nightmare. Um, you know, frankly, I think Representative Nelson introducing minimum wage legislation is a terrible idea. But here, I, what what I think of of, of of a given bill or what you think of a given bill is irrelevant. This is democracy, and and this is a product of what we all say we want, right? We all say we want an open political process, and in North Dakota, the process is very open. These legislators are extremely accessible, and as a matter of fact, if you look very closely at a lot of the bills that get introduced, you know, a lot of the ones that make headlines because they seem a little outside the box i guess maybe to put it to put it kindly if, if you look very carefully at those bills a lot of times they're introduced by legislators who are putting them in on behalf of a constituent who feels passionately about the issue and, and a lot of times the legislature who spo- legislator who sponsors the bill won't even vote for the bill because they put it in not because they thought it was a good idea but because they had a constituent that was passionate about it and a lot of the lawmakers feel like their constituents have a right to see their ideas floated before the legislature, floated in the legislative process. Generally, I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that we have an open process. Now, does it can it seem a little bit hairy, you know, because we have a, a constrained amount of time, right? The legislators only have 80 days per biennium to get their business done. Yeah, it, it sure can, but... That's a product of something else that North Dakotans want. They don't want a full-time legislature. They want a legislature that is very limited in the amount of time that it's in session. So that's what we have. We have a very open process, which the public wants, and we have a very restrained legislature in terms of the amount of time that they have to meet and, and legislate. These are both things that the public wants, and it produces the situation we're in now where we get sort of an, an avalanche of bills in early January that we all end up talking about and, and make a bunch of headlines. And then we get people in the public whining saying, Oh, this is a waste of time. Or that's a waste of time. Listen, if, if you don't like the bill, fine. Tell us why you don't like the bill. T- t- tell us your arguments against it. When I talk about representative Nelson's minimum wage bill, what you're going to hear me talk about is why I think the minimum wage is bad economic policy. Well, I think it's a lot better it's, instead of the government coming in and try to dictate wages. I think it's much better to focus on bringing employers into our state, into our communities, creating economic opportunities so that wages rise organically. That, to me, is much better than trying to accomplish that through some sort of legislative fiat. But you're not going to hear me say that Representative Nelson's bill is a waste of time, even though it's not going anywhere. In a, in, a, in a state that, that's as, as Republican as this one, that bill's not going anywhere. But Resident Nelson obviously thinks it's a priority. Obviously, he feels like that's the best way for him to represent his constituents. I don't begrudge him that opportunity. Now, that rant having been completed, Natil, allow me to create an exemption to my own rule. I do think it's a waste of time in the past where we have seen things where, where legislators put in a bill on behalf of like a fifth grade classroom or something to create a state bug, right? Where we, we created the, the ladybug is the state bug or whatever. Uh, and then once that got a bunch of media attention, 
then some of these classrooms started getting uh, a little bit cute, and they started putting in actual policy proposals, like no sm- smoking in the car. And it makes me think, why are we turning over legislative, to, you know, the legislature to fifth graders? Um, that that does annoy me. I, I think if you wanted to say bills like that are a waste of time, fine. But most of these policy proposals, if you don't like them, tell me why you don't like them. If you don't agree with it, tell me why you don't agree with it. But don't tell me that an open democratic process that sometimes uh, produces ideas that you don't necessarily agree with is a waste of time. It's not. This is democracy. This is what it looks like. And, and, and then the price of an open process much like the price of living in a free society, is that sometimes you're going to run up against ideas you don't like. Deal with it. That's my two cents. 701-293-9000, Let's take a break. I want to come back and uh, talk about this anti-mask legislation. That's what a legislation has a long history. A lot of states have these on the books. Is it right for North Dakota? You know what the motivations are. It was those violent pipeline protests in South Central North Dakota where a lot of the participants were wearing masks over their faces. But is it good policy? We'll talk about that in just a moment. We'll be right back. This is the Rob Report on WDAY. Don't go away. Report here on WDAY, 701-293-9000, You can email me to talk at WDAY.com. All right, let's talk about this mask issue. Uh, let's see. It's it's uh, legislation. It's sponsored by House uh, Republican uh, Majority Leader Al Carlson. Uh, and it says, I quote, an individual with the intent to conceal that individual's identity may not wear a mask, hood, or other device that covers, hides, or conceals any portion of that person's face while a entering being or appearing on any lane, walkway, alley, street, road, highway, or other public way B entering, appearing on or within the public property of the state or any political subdivision or C holding any meeting or demonstration on the private property of another, unless written permission has been obtained from the owner or occupant of the property. Now, there's all sorts of exemptions. Uh, if you're under the age of 17, it doesn't apply to you. Uh, if you're wearing a traditional holiday costume, I imagine this would mean something like a Halloween costume. It doesn't apply to you. Uh, if you're engaged in a trade or employment or a sporting activity where you got to wear a mask, it doesn't apply to you. Uh, it doesn't apply to you if you're in a the- theatrical production or a masquerade ball. <laughs> That's literally a masquerade ball. How many of those are happening around? I don't know. Uh, Wearing a mask uh, prescribed for civil defense drills, exercises, or emergencies, engaged in a parade, ceremony, or celebration, wearing a mask, hood, or device for the purpose of providing protection from the elements, or wearing a mask or other covering based on religious beliefs, which I suppose would mean like burkas, stuff like that. So anyway, obviously the legislation is a reaction to the Dakota Access Pipeline protest. I'll make no question, South Central North Dakota was terrorized by those protests. Um, it was awful. I, I, I think for a lot of people watching it from afar, they do not realize what the Bismarck-Mandan community and those areas south of Bismarck-Mandan along the Missouri River, 
what they went through. It was really bad. Uh, whatever you may think of of the pipeline or the political case against the pipeline or the Standing Rock Sioux's uh, stance on the pipeline, there is no question that there were hundreds, thousands of political extremists who descended on North Dakota who had absolutely no compunction about breaking the law, had absolutely no compunction about violating other people's property rights, had no problems using violence and vandalism and intimidation to try to make their point. So I think what this is, is this is a reaction to that, because a lot of those people, while they were threatening, while they were intimidating, while they were vandalizing, while they were attacking law enforcement, they were wearing masks or bandanas or other things to obscure their faces Uh, probably because as we've learned out a lot of them were wanted for crimes in other states so north dakota is going to implement a mask law and listen this has a long history uh in america you know going all the way back to the heyday of the ku klux klan people you know those idiots who dressed up in robes and that and they obviously covered their faces Uh, up to the Occupy Wall Street movement. As a matter of fact, the state of New York, I believe, used an anti-Klan statute that made it illegal to cover your face, an anti-mask statute, to arrest members of Occupy Wall Street. Um, Now, So here's the thing. I, I, I get what's motivating the bill. I understand why they want to maybe do this. Uh, you know, it, it's it obviously North Dakota went through a, a very bad time with, with the protests. It wasn't fun. I just don't know as a practical matter of public policy if this is something that we want to do. I mean, if if somebody is out in public or even on private property and they're they're committing a crime, to me it doesn't matter if they're wearing a mask or not. You arrest them while they commit the crime. Now, obviously, that was a, a difficulty because a lot of times law enforcement was trying to go back and investigate what happened by looking at, like, Internet videos after the fact, right? I mean, when we had the protesters go charging and they broke down a fence and they attacked private security on private land while trespassing, a lot of the charges stemming from that incident were law enforcement, you know, identifying people in videos. That's tough to do, all the more so it's pretty much impossible if they're wearing a mask. So... I get it. I mean, I I think the problem is is that when you've got to put when when you're making a crime out of something that that people do on Halloween to dress up as Superman or Batman or whatever, I I, I think you may be going too far. I I I completely get the motivations here. I completely understand what they're trying to do. Just as a practical matter of policy, I don't think it's very good policy. I don't know. What well, what do you think, Nitiel? Have you have you seen this bill? Have you heard about this? What do you think? It's really hard for me to get behind this particular piece of legislation because there's, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of exceptions to the rule all like written into it. So people that want to get away with, you know, wearing the mask are going to say that they're doing one of those things. You know, I'm, I'm dressing in a religious costume or this is is part of a, a, this is part of a celebration right or whatever like it's it's all gonna it's right it's not gonna do anything so one of the exemptions is that if you're taking place in a parade or a ceremony or a celebration well one of the things that the dakota access protesters often claimed is that they were peacefully praying they were taking part of like a prayer ceremony or something now a lot of times 
these prayer ceremonies were taking place on private land or in the middle of a, of a damn highway or an intersection. And the prayer apparently included throwing rocks and bombs and setting fire to things. So, you know, we could have a debate about, you know, how honest they're being. But that, that's sort of the issue, right? Is is there, they would be claiming, I guess, the exemption. I, I just, I get the problem that they're having. I just don't think as a matter of practical policy that this is this is even all that enforceable or constitutional. I think this would probably be ripe for a challenge. Um, you know, I mean, like, like obscure any part of the face. Well, if I wear a baseball cap that's pulled down low over my brow and it's obviously obscuring a portion of my face, does that right? I mean, wearing a baseball cap and sunglasses, right? That's kind of a disguise. It's obscuring your face. Is that, I mean, where where does it end? Exactly. Cause, or like if I've got really big sunglasses on or, you know, if, when it, or if during the wintertime, if I've got a scarf that's like pulled up over my nose because it's freezing. Right. Like guys who are, guys who ride motorcycles like to wear those bandanas sometimes, right? They won't wear the full face helmet and they'll wear like a bandana or whatever because they think it looks cool. And I'll admit it kind of does look cool. <laughs> but <laughs> but there's, uh, there's just all these exceptions and they're all already written into this stupid right. piece of legislation. So it's it, they're basically saying you can't wear a mask if you're committing a crime. Well, turns out. If you're, you're already committing, committing a crime. Yeah, if you're committing a crime, you're going to get arrested already. So yeah. whatever. Wear whatever you want to wear while you're committing the crime. I'm, you're still going to get arrested. I, one one comment when I wrote about this on the blog, they made the point that this might allow law enforcement to, ahead of time, if if they've got a bunch of guys standing around wearing masks, it's, it's pretty easy to guess maybe which ones are the ones who are going to go out and start throwing rocks or whatever right maybe the ones wearing masks that's probably a fair assumption and so maybe this allows law enforcement to arrest them under this statute before they commit crimes but even that i don't i don't know i would I, as 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 hard as it is as difficult as it is and as much as i empathize with the people of south central north dakota went through over the last year i don't i i just don't think this law helps anything i really don't all right. Well, we're going to go. We'll come back with State Representative Marvin Nelson. We're going to talk a little bit about the minimum wage. We're also going to talk about his desire for the state of North Dakota to study a full-on legalization of marijuana. One of those issues I agree with him on, the other I do not. And you'll have to stay tuned to find out which is which. Ah, maybe you can guess. More to come straight ahead. Rob Report. Welcome back, Rob Report here on WDAY, 701-293-9000, is a toll-free number. You can email me, too, talk at WDAY.com. We have, uh, as our guest now, State Representative Marvin Nelson. Uh, Representative Nelson, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Rob? I'm doing good. Thanks for the time. Keeping warm, I hope. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's a theory, anyway, but uh, yeah. Yeah, well, you guys uh, finished up for the week, I suppose. Are you heading back to Rolla? 
Yeah, well, we finished up just uh, oh, 10 minutes ago, and, and uh, the plan is at some point when I get all of the critical things off the list, I'll, I'll head home. But I doubt that I'll make it before dark, you know. Yeah, well, drive careful. Uh, now is not the time you want to be stranded by alongside the road. That's yeah, for there's sure. probably going to be some deer standing on the road saying, please kill me now. Please, please, uh, you know. yeah, end it, end it all. <laughs> well, tr- try to avoid them because yeah. they've got a lot to live for still. Uh, 701-293-9000, you want to join in, 888-970-9329. You want to take the minimum wage in our state up to $9.25 an hour. Why? Well, uh, basically, a uh, uh, big big reason behind it is I'm, I'm tired of paying other people's wages. Uh, you know, we, we have a real growth in social services in this state, uh, increasing the taxes we're paying at some level for those. And, and what do you find is it's a lot of people working one or two low-paying jobs. And uh, so effectively, we're not get, earning enough to survive. And so the state ends up picking the slack up through all sorts of social programs. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just kind of time that uh, people should step up and, and start paying their employees enough to, to get by do you think don't you think we could accomplish that by going the other way though and and not not maybe having the social programs that are so expansive they apply to people who are gainfully employed (laughs) they can't survive then uh the state will empty out we will lose thousands and thousands of people you won't be able to buy a cup of coffee you won't be able to get a hamburger your streets won't be plowed your garbage won't be i have a hard time believing i i don't know i I just have a hard time believing that would be the reaction if, if we pulled it if we pulled it out i mean for, for well, what I you understand. look, the rural areas have lower wages than the cities do. What's happening to the rural areas? Is it prosperity and growth? No. It's death, destruction, and people are migrating away to get an opportunity in the cities, which generally in North Dakota have a higher pay schedule than the that, rural area does. Is, is, uh, is, is, wait, is that be, Minnesota is, has a higher pay schedule, so my whole life I've listened to people. They're all leaving to go to Minnesota for five to $10,000 a year more. So there go all these people that were getting spending all this money on them we're educating them we're doing all this stuff and that it's just draining the state but do you think that i mean do you think do you think the people that are going to minnesota are making the minimum i mean is is the minimum wage really going to impact that it impacts a lot of things you know uh you you know you you look when when we have uh had the oil boom out here what happened we had a whole bunch of people with disposable income you didn't have to have programs to start businesses you almost had programs to slow it down uh you know, and the problem comes is for people, and even at nine and a quarter, let's admit, people will not have disposable income. But what's happened is wages have stagnated in many areas of the state, not all, many areas of the state. Rents and such have not stagnated. So the rents keep going up, the, 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 the living expenses keep going up, but the living income has not gone up. And so people are running, running, running on a treadmill, and many of them working more than one job, and they have nothing at the end of the month. And then the car dies, and they go backwards. And the, their child gets sick, and they go backwards. And, and uh, it's, it's not, nine and a quarter is not going to fix things, but we have to start trying to bring what people are earning in line with what people are, uh, need to live. You know, you go to Europe, and many of these things that we classify as low minimum wage jobs, people can do them. They're valued. They live comfortably. And you should know, you know, you're up there in mine. What happened after the flood when all those people who many were low or close to minimum wage people left town? 
it really put a crimp on the town. Because those are actually the people in many cases that are really doing a lot of that background work that we don't pay a lot of attention to. And so we, we, we actually yeah. should, as a society, value those people more. Uh, well, we had those a, jobs need to be done. We had a, yeah, we certainly had a tight job market, but I would point out that we also had a, had a booming oil economy going on. You know, a, a lot of people point out there really aren't that many people who make the minimum wage to begin with. I mean, even if you moved it up to 925, you go down to Walmart, heck, you go down to McDonald's these days. People are making 10 bucks an hour already. How many people? Well, is, I mean, have you have you have you done any research? I mean, do you have any well, specific numbers on, any on effect, how many people this should go to eleven bucks? You know, I mean, why are people so? Well, why, well, not, why not? Why not go to? Why not go to a hundred dollars? Why not go to a hundred dollars an hour then? Well, you know, there, the, everything has effects both ways. And the thing is, at nine and a quarter, there's really very, very little in the way of negative effects. And, and, but there are people out here, and there's people in towns. When I looked at the thing, it was a, it's a couple years old, as it always is, but there was about 7,000 people in the state, either at minimum wage or literally below minimum wage. Now, at nine and a quarter, that would have been more people, and I don't have an exact number on that, but it's, it's, it's thousands of people. I, I remember here's here's one thing that has, has has always kind of bothered me about this. I worry that if we set the minimum wage so high, it is going to make it more difficult to hire young people. Now, I'm somebody who started work at a very young age. I started delivering papers for the Minot Daily News. Uh, I got paid. I, I think I made something like 150 bucks a month in the fifth grade uh, to deliver 200 newspapers seven days a week at four in the morning. Rain, snow, sleet, hail. I even had to go out and collect my own money. Uh, I made far less than minimum wage, uh, but I had that job. I washed cars, uh, I think, for four twenty-five an hour at one point in in the boiling summer heat. I was blasting out cars in a, you know, certainly no air conditioning in that that car wash stall. Um, I worked those jobs at very low wages, and I feel like it, it it allowed me it allowed me to build work experience. It allowed me to work to being, I guess, what I like to consider a successful person today. If we raise that minimum wage too high, is it a barrier to entering the marketplace for a lot of low-skill, low-wage workers? Well, that's the thing. If we raise it too high, but you look at even nine and a quarter, is lower than the equivalent minimum wage was when I was a child. I mean, it's that creep that occurs over time. And, and uh, if nine and a quarter is, is uh, a uh, barrier, you should have never had a job. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the thing, is, it, is it's changing over time. And, and the thing is, is that it, the, this minimum wage has been really neglected. It hasn't moved up uh, relative to other stuff. It's, it's less and less and less. And the productivity of workers has gone higher and, and the workers have not shared in that productivity gain. So, you know, the, the thing is, is, is we're never, never going to be a prosperous state if people can't earn a living here. And, and uh, yes, uh, minimum wage is not, uh, not ever going to be fat city, but it's, it's, it's unreasonably low. You just cannot, just cannot make it. Just cannot, you know, and, and people always talk about let's have the students so much lower and everything like that. Now, there's some students I've met who work maybe one evening a week that, yes, maybe they're using it to buy the extras. But I meet students who are working to put food on the table, clothes on their backs, gas in the family car. They are not working out of luxury. They're working out of necessity. And there's many others who are working to save for their college so that they're not in severe debt and all those things. And here we are then. We say, oh, you're a student. You're young. We'll do some age discrimination. And even if you do the work, and and Rob, I'm sure you worked very hard when you were young, 
why was why would your work be worth less just simply because because you're... I was inexperienced because I was I was I was 16 17 18 years old I didn't know what I was doing I didn't have the skills or the experience or the maturity frankly to hold to hold higher paying job we do have a caller though I want to get Jim's comments in here go ahead Jim okay go ahead Jim you're on hello Jim hello. yeah you're hey, on I'm here I'm here Hey, I got a question for for this guy. Um, what are you going to do for the businesses that are going to actually close doors and go out of business? Because <laughs> in these small towns, they're not going to be able to afford to pay these wages. Uh, the restaurants that feed uh, the farmers that come in for that fifty cent cup coffee and that dollar ninety nine breakfast, or the well, lumber yards that are charging. You know, three dollars a two by four. Now they're going to have to bump it up to almost four because they can't oh, afford to pay the wages. What are you doing for the businesses that have been closing now in those communities? Because there's no spendable income. Well, well hold, 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 hold on, Mark. Because I, I think that's a good point. I mean, I, you have a valid no, concern not. about about Show about. Me well, one hold, case, hold on, hold on, hold on, Marvin. Race the Let me. Minimum wages started. This, this fear I grew up in up small towns most of my life. I, I don't. I don't. Small if, 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 most if, if my, my young adult life, and what you what you're going to do is you're going to put those businesses out of out of out of business because they can't afford to pay those wages, sir. Jim, no. thanks, thanks, no. thanks for the call. What if, if if we're worried about businesses, employers leaving the rural areas? How is jacking up their payroll costs going to help? If they're sitting there right now and they can't afford to pay more than seven twenty-five an hour. It's just a matter of time, anyway. Well, you know, you're talking about two dollars an hour. I mean, that that's yeah, that's a, an hour. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if, okay. So, so if you say, you know, what, maybe what a small cafe, they've you got more they've money got... in the economy, and the positive effects outweigh the negative effects, and everybody's worried that oh, I won't be able to afford it, but the extra business in Main Street actually outweighs the negative effects when a reasonable raise in the minimum wage is done. That kind of sounds like voodoo economics to me. <laughs> no, it's a lot better. It actually works. I don't. I don't think it does. But l- let me let me ask you this: Why not? In, in, instead of the government coming in and saying, you know, we're going to mandate this this raise for a, a portion of of the workforce, why not turn around and, and do? Because you, you mentioned the oil bill. I mean, I, I think that was a great example of how it wasn't just oil workers who were making a lot of money. That drove the entire labor markets in mm-hmm. those areas up. Now, obviously, the, the oil boom is a, you know, it, it could be a fleeting thing, but. Uh, you know, because the the circumstances come and go, but I think generally the, the the lesson is there, which is that if we create economic activity, wages kind of take care of themselves. Shouldn't that what we be focused on instead of government regulation? Well, we didn't really create economic exp- activity; we experienced it. You know, it's, well, it's a little bit different. We didn't put the oil there. Well, like stuff. I said, I mean, it happens, it's not a perfect know? example, but I I, I think the yeah. economic theory it, holds. But, if, and, if we and, create that, economic that, activity, wages take care of itself. Well, uh, you know, I, we 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 can we can go around, but the economic activity then is sat there, and in general, in the, in the, say the uh, eastern half of the state, especially in the rural areas, it's not happened. You know, it's not happened. But yet, the rents have gone up and stuff, and so people have people are having a hard time, harder time than before making it. Their wages relative to their expenses are less than they were before. And the thing is, is not to get this totally out of line. I know there's people who say, let's go to 15 and stuff, and that would just be too much of a jump and, and too short and stuff like that. But but the wages have not kept pace with the other stuff. So when people say, oh, I, I work for minimum wage in, 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 uh, in the 60s and stuff, that's where the $15 comes from, is, is the minimum wage in the 60s 
fees is equivalent to $15 today. And why, when we had the economic activity and such at that time, and people got jobs at that time, and kids got jobs at that time, why now is it suddenly too much to pay? And why do we have to create all these programs to give tax breaks and grants and everything to try and create businesses, which, frankly, has not worked? It has not worked for the rural areas. It has not gotten our economy going. It's a model that does not work. What yeah. does work is getting spendable money in the pockets of the people. I, I, I agree with you that that economic development where we're going to you know do carve-outs or special tax exemptions or a lot of this stuff, I don't. in the aggregate, I don't think it works. I think we end up giving a lot of money to people who we're, we're going to do those investments or build those buildings or build those businesses anyway. Um, I do think, though, that if we generally keep taxes low, we keep regulations low, we let We're people go out We're not keeping taxes low because those people require food stamps. Those require, people require housing assistance. Those people require all kinds of social programs. We're taxing you to pay for those people who say, I but can't you, afford to pay you, more do you not, do you not see, Do you not see any problem at all with, with, with social programs that have maybe become a little too expansive to the point? Because I, I, I hear that all the time where it's like... <laughs> well, you, well, you we're, go and live well, on well, the social well, program and tell me they're too expensive. Well, I'm, not saying I, they're, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're comfortable. I'm just saying I hear a lot of people talking about how we're subsidizing Walmart's payroll. Well, the one reason Walmart can pay so low is because they're getting food stamps. Maybe Walmart has to pay more if people who have a job don't qualify for food stamps. Well, and I would actually say at this point because of the larger cities and what's been the job walmart will pay what they have to pay and in most sure. places in the state i believe walmart is paying walmart walmart's i think in favor of the minimum wage and i think the reason why walmart is is because they know it drives out of business they're smaller regional privately owned competitors well, I don't think that that's, that's really the case. But I mean, well, well, uh, the, there's been a lot of minimum wage increases. There's been a lot around the nation and stuff. Show me, just show me a good study that shows, you know, well, you, you can see a well-done study that that, uh, uh, that something like this $2 increase actually closes businesses and actually causes a regression in, in the economy. You should look. People you should say that jobs go away. You should look, take a look at what's happening. Jobs sitting at I got I got to go. I'm up against a break. But, Marv, uh, maybe this weekend, take a look at what's happened in uh seattle they oh, increased that, their that, minimum that, wage that's out of line you know that's too much no. and, you know we didn't go to 15 i don't that's know why. i don't know i i well i guess we'll, we'll have to pick up the debate somewhere because i am flat out of time marv thanks for your time i appreciate it and okay. uh, good luck on your drive home yeah thank you rob we'll see you some other time Bye. state representative marv nelson i'll be uh, back right after this this is the rob report 701 don't go away Welcome back. Rob Port, uh, last segment. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Stay tuned for that. 701-293-9000, Just a few minutes left here. I want to burn through uh, some of these emails. Uh, let's see. Dwayne says, uh, Rob, ask uh, Representative Nelson, why then are goods and services or housing any cheaper in Moorhead than in Fargo? Uh, good question. You know, Minnesota's a high-tax state. I mean, yeah, you could command there more there in wages. You're also going to pay a lot more in taxes, depending on your income bracket and where in the state you're living. I suppose, you know, maybe that works out. Maybe it doesn't work out. But, uh, you know, if you look at the border between North Dakota and Minnesota, where are most of the businesses? Where are most of the people living with North Dakota in close proximity? They're not living on the Minnesota side of the border. And I, I think that's a reflection of the policy. Uh, let's see, another email. Or, uh, how is this Mr. Nelson 925 will only hurt... A small town, uh, 
only hurt the small town and all waiters and waitresses because this goes up, food goes up, and I will stop tipping. Um, you know, I I don't know how his minimum wage, because there's a carve-out, obviously, for waiters and waitresses. Um, but, uh, you know, regardless, I, I think it's big, big corporations like, like Walmart and that love the minimum wage. And I think they, they love the minimum wage because they're so large, they can absorb the additional cost. Uh, the people who have a harder time absorbing the additional cost are uh you know are are, are the smaller competitors who, who might actually pay some people minimum wage walmart is not paying anybody minimum wage in the state of north dakota i'd be willing to bet i i'd be willing to bet they're not even paying minimum wage if representative nelson gets his way and it goes up to 925 an hour um let's see there was a question about whether or not north dakota you know representative nelson was maybe proposing going to a two tier minimum wage like minnesota has uh, that's not in the bill uh gary asks uh, rob ask about other costs of doing businesses versus just wages there are more regulations and other things that have drawn up driven up the cost of doing business since we were younger good point very good point uh let's see jay uh thomas coming up next park district uh director joel vettel on about allowing traffic in city parks also minnesota not uh, allowing undocumented immigrants uh, from getting driver's licenses that coming up next uh, on the jay thomas show have a great weekend remember you can catch me weekdays monday through friday 1 to 2 p.m right here on wday or 24 hours a day seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com thanks for listening we'll talk again